afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, along with my good friend and Inside Track co-host, Eb Wilkinson. Welcoming you to a special edition of Inside Tracks. Thanks for tuning in today. We welcome your calls at the Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus Hotline, 790-2040. We have another extraordinary show for you today. In just a moment, we'll hear from, I hope, Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels for an up-to-the-minute report from the border where he is briefing the executive committee of the AZGOP right now. After hearing from Sheriff Daniels, I'm very pleased to announce that Heritage Foundation founder and president, Dr. Ed Fulner, will provide his views on our in-depth interview on the many problems with communist China's co-opting of American big business, which is a huge crisis, not just for America, but everyone around the world. This portion of the show is brought to you by my co-host, Eb Wilkinson, and Gary Imus from Imus Wilkinson Investment Management, whose baby step approach to your wealth management is designed so you never have to solely depend on socialized security. Eb manages my family's wealth and does a great job. Call Eb at 777-1911 and let him help you also. We have our special guest waiting on the on the line. So what we're going to do, Mr. Producer, let's go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, we'll be on the line with Sheriff Mark Daniels. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our Tucson? biggest customers are actually like ranchers and yeah. people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is, A, we sell scrap to the mill. So uh, we have a relationship there, and then we can buy material, what they're making, bringing it back. And so we save on freight, and we have relationships for years with them. So I think that's really our niche market. We'll sell whatever you need. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. It's termite season. Bugs fear the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. Go blue at Essential Pest Control. We'll eliminate those bugs, bees, and termites. And stop paying too much to that national provider. Buy local for great service and affordable rates. Call Essential Pest Control because termites fear the blue. Ah, run for your life. Call for the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. 886-3029. That's 886-3029. Or check online at EssentialPest.com. Ask not. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911. Hey, welcome back to Inside Track. This portion of today's show brought to you by my friends, Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus and Essential Pest Control. These are two great locally owned family businesses you can depend upon. 
I do, so should you. The Cochise County Sheriff joins us now, live from the border. Sheriff Mark Hannels <coughs> is making his first visit to Inside Track. He is the 26th Sheriff of Cochise County. He was first elected in 2012, again in 2016 and 2020. Sheriff Daniels has been recognized and awarded the Medal of Valor, Western State's Sheriff of the Year, Outstanding Business Person of the Year, uh, Marky Who's Who Sheriff Medal, Deputy of the Year, Distinguished Service Award, Unit Citation Award, National Police Hall of Fame, Life-Saving Award, and dozens of community service awards. His objectives as sheriff are organizational development. That means getting a better police force, border security, and community outreach. Thanks for joining us, Sheriff. You're at the border right now. What's the latest news you can share with us, sir? Well, thanks for having me on the show. I, I think it is the first time I've ever been on your show, and, uh, and it's an honor to be here for your viewers and yourself. So uh, it's active, let me just say. I mean, and i got to give a little bit of foundation from where we were last year. This is my 37th year of working the border. I've seen the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, the ugly and the ugly again. But a year ago, uh, based on our collaboration and collective efforts, we uh, had the very good manageable control on this border, working with our state, our governor, our federal partners, our county attorney. We went for 20 months without a drug smuggler in our county, and that's based on consequence delivery. We had a hundred, and we still do 100% uh, prosecution for any drug smuggler caught in our county. So, obviously, we're not the county to smuggle drugs in. Based on a virtual system, we have 700 cameras deployed at any given time, up to a thousand cameras uh, from our county all the way over to California into New Mexico, up to Texas. So, yeah, we've done a lot of innovative and creative ways to make this a safe county living on the border and it's worked really well for the community today i wish i could say that's still true it's not um we have drug smuggling cartel smuggling uh sponsored by we have uh, pursuits in the last couple months we've lost our uh all checkpoints in my county are shut down our um board our border patrol station has been redirected for child care processing um, admin processing, they're no longer responding to my deputies in the northern part of the county, up on an I-10 area. We, uh, it's a diff- different world down here, let me just say. And the cartels are uh, using the message by this administration that it's open border and they're coming. And in my county, it's smuggling every day. It's pursuits. We've had over a dozen plus in hospitals as a result of injury, wow. exposure. We've had two dead. We've had one shootout with a smuggler. I mean, it's it's a different world right now down so here than it was a year ago. These are shootouts in the U.S. itself. Yes, with a smuggler. Yes. yes. You know, Mark, this is like it feels like a recurring bad dream. You know, when you have a nightmare at night and you're moving in slow motion, and you know you never the the train's catching up with you. And we've been talking about this in the '80s, in the '90s. 2007 and 8 when immigration reform is on the table in 2013 and 2014 with the gang of eight and you know another proposal since 2020 when we saw some promise with the buildup on the border fence and the stay in mexico policy but here we are again aren't we and it's 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 drug smuggling it's human smuggling it is all kinds of maligned uh, individuals, uh, not all of them, of course, but maligned individuals are really behind all of this, aren't they? Oh, they truly are. There, there's no doubt. There's two things that are driving smuggling in this country. 
number one, the cartels, criminal organized groups that uh, work off fear, violence, and greed. And then you have our side, which is um, this administration, this Congress that sits now, and past administrations and Congress that have failed to take care of this federal problem and protect our southwest border, which is a – and I'll note the office that every elected official, local, state, and federal, share one mission, and that is to protect Americans. And it's frustrating it, I see it every day living in a border community. I've uh, been down here. I was in the military. That's what brought me here from the Midwest. Mm. So I served down here in this county in Fort Chupa, and then since 84, I've been um, working with a badge down here. So it is it's very frustrating. And what amazes me is the people that say there's not a crisis, say there's not an issue, are the ones that haven't been down here. Um, mm. Look at Speaker Pelosi. I hate to call it out. Uh, our vice president, our president, we have a crisis on our border. Working with my sheriff along the southwest border and to keep hearing, hey, there's no problem. But then you hear the CDC guidelines from Dr. Fauci saying, hey, make sure we're separating. Make sure that, you know, uh, we're doing all, we're in a mask. You need to come to the border and see what's not working. <laughs> CDC guidelines <laughs> yeah. are not being applied here on my border. Hmm. Have, you- the, have the changes uh, that has happened affected the way you use your equipment? Oh, it has. I mean... It, it's it's a tell-all, and when people say, or other people say, well, there's not a problem in their counties, I can show you exactly what's going on in your county because so, of our virtual system, and we see it every day. It, give me an example. Last year at this time, we were running three to 400 off our entire camera system, uh, illegal entries. In my county, again, uh, very low numbers to include no drug smuggling. Since the first of the year off our camera system, just our small rural camera system, 7,500 illegal entries, 33 drug smugglers, and I can't count the pursuits, uh, trespass calls, you name it. I got one here several days ago with a smuggler, and they don't go by rules. They have no rules. They're not disciplined. Their rule is just to get their um, humans into the northern part of the state and beyond. So they have no rules besides that. They'll run from you. They'll run in communities 100 miles an hour. They crash. I mean, we, we concern. We have rules we have to follow, and we're disciplined in our policies and procedures. So it's very vulnerable to communities what's going on in this county. Hmm. I heard just last night from Art, from Art Del Cueto. He reported that in addition to over 20,000 apprehensions, most of them were people who just gave themselves up, uh, but 20,000 apprehensions in the Tucson sector, they've estimated there are three times as many getaways. Um, what sort of law enforcement problems does this cause for your department? Uh, you've talked about some of that already, but for ranchers and farmers on the border and, and just regular citizens, residents in, in the area. Well, the biggest thing that we do, and I, and I work for the people in my county. My oath says my job is to protect them and enhance their quality of life. And, and when the ranchers told me a year ago, we have a ranch advisory team of ranchers and farmers that I meet with, and they, they tell me all the time, Sheriff, this is the best, the best it's been in 30 years. You come up to current times since this administration took over, and there there's anxiety out there. There's unknown out there, and I'll be honest with you, there's fear out there because where we were and where we're at today, it amazes me that our leadership in Washington, D.C., and that goes for Republicans, Democrats, independents, cannot say or see and say, man, we got a job to protect our borders because we're protecting Americans. But instead, you let the local rural sheriff's offices, you let the communities, your state governors, 
we are picking up the pieces for a failed policy right now. And it's frustrating. I'll just tell you, it's very frustrating. So what, what do you and, and your, and your undersheriffs, uh, do in terms of coordinating with, uh, the sheriff here in Pima County and in Yuma County to try to, uh, you know, be the, 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 the second line of defense? Well, really, the first line of defense, actually, because there's yeah. not a first line of defense. Um, are, are the sheriffs along the border here in Arizona working together uh, with you? Uh, what's the story? Well, I, I've, I've talked to three out of four, um, include myself out of the four. The, um, the Pima County Sheriff uh, I have not spoke to. Um, he, That's telling. That's telling. Shocked. Well, Shocked, I tell you. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, and I don't want to bash another sheriff or say negative things, but he has chose to not be involved with the Arizona Sheriff Association uh, or the National Sheriff Association. So sheriffs involved in those organizations, we talk all the time. We share threads of what's going on in your county today, what's going on in yours. But unfortunately, that dialogue's not with uh, that sheriff, and uh, that's a choice he's made. And mm. I, I wish you'd reconsider it because we need all sheriffs standing united on this. And right now, that's not happening. That's that's bad news. Um, Blaze TV reported that some children are being rented by traffickers for the purposes of getting people into the U.S. Have you seen any indication of this? Well, let me just say this. Let me just say this. In 2019, the first nine months of the year, when the surge hit then, same thing we're living now, but I think it's in a worse scenario because the message has changed on top. That's why I say it's worse. Uh, there's no intervention to stop it. So in 2019, there were 3,500 recycled children on the southwest border. What that means is they were being used by the cartels, exploited by the cartels, coming across with adults, ex- uh, accelerated into the United States, and then sent back to Mexico to be retrafficked by the cartels. 3,500 kids were identified that were being exploited. There were 6,100 fraud families in 2019, the first nine months. What I'm saying to you is the cartel is the only one smiling. I can promise you that because even the people that are coming across for the better way of life that are not here to harm us are truly now servant to the cartels because they can't pay the fees that uh, have been, whatever they charge, it was $6,000 a head. Whatever the negotiation fee is, they have to work that off on the U.S. side now and then become servant to the cartels on our on our soil so you, again there, there's there's nothing good about it are you saying that the cartels are operating now in the u.s oh there's no doubt about that there's no doubt about it we know that to be a fact that there there's subgroups all over the country from the cartels that are set up for drug, drug distribution sex offenses and gangs and enforcers of uh the, their drug trade. So we know that to be true. There, there's no secret to that. Are so, they using the human trafficking then uh, to help with the profitability of the drug trade, or has it eclipsed the profitability of the drug trade? Oh, they definitely do. There, there's This is a very well-orchestrated <laughs> criminal enterprise. And most people, they, the media, national media, is so focused on the children uh, in the back scene of all that, on the behind it, running the stage, running the operation, running the finances, is organized criminals, and they're violent. Uh, some of the stuff I see and some of the stuff I read, some of the stuff I experienced over my 37 years, they are bad, bad people, and that's what's driving this. Wow. So at $4,000 a person, 
and there's about 80,000 who've either come in and have given themselves up or as uh, Border Patrol Officer Del Cueto reports, you know, as many as three times more, that's $320 million a month to the drug cartels. And he he told a story last night about a 10-year-old kid he saw in a large group of, um, of unaccompanied uh, uh, minors. And he said this kid... Uh, he approached him and asked him where he was from. The kid said from Honduras. And um, Art asked him a couple of questions. And the kid said, why the F should I be talking to you? Who are you? And he explained who he was. And he said, you know, I don't have to talk to you. He said, I'm effing going to see and, and live with my parents in Charleston, South Carolina. And he said, dude, you can't. And this is all in, in Spanish, of course. He says, dude, you can't. You can't do this uh, to me. I'm free. I can go wherever I want now. Your president, your president told us it was okay to come here. Yes. You know, the, the hardest part for me to swallow on that is, and let me go back. I didn't answer one of your questions, and, and then I'll answer this one, is they estimate a 1,000 plus a day are getting are getaways, which means they're coming to the country right into the communities without even knowing who they are. That is a public threat. That's a huge public threat. We have no idea. 9-11 should have taught us something. And unfortunately, time is healing those those thoughts. Unfortunately, it's also making us forget those thoughts, and we never should forget that. Now, going back to what you're saying there is, unfortunately, we have a president, and I hate to be ill. He's my president, too. And this administration that has chose to ignore the rule of law, to instead of enhancing processes and programs, working with state, local, and federal leaders and experts like CVP officers, like Poltrack Art and others, they've ignored that. They've made hasty decisions that has now created vulnerable situations for this every community in this country. And what happens on our borders? It's only time before they get into your backyards because that's where they're headed. Go So to that end, um, what is the elevated risk that we should know about vis-a-vis what's going on down at the border? Well, sheriffs look at four different categories. We've added a fourth. First one is public safety, which is community safety. When you don't know who's living in your communities, when law enforcement, local, state, and federal can't tell you who these people are that just came in from, and remember, in 2019 also, there's 141 countries breached our southwest border. Today, wow. I was told there's 141 countries. Let me say this, too. In the first nine months of 2019, there were over 1,000 documented, not, hey, I'm a gang member, but documented gang members representing 20 different countries. So my point on that is these people are going in communities throughout the United States. 16,000 violent felonies or violent criminals, which are felons, were apprehended on the southwest border, which is really good that we apprehended them. But think of the ones that got away that now are in you think of the ones now getting away that are in communities that we know have no have no idea what their intent is, number one, and number two is what what they're all about. And that should scare every American, every American, because we should take pride in our communities, our families, and hopefully ourselves as they're Americans. Sheriff, I've heard that children who are who are coming to this country unattended, um, if they're under fourteen years of age, uh, the federal government is not permitted to fingerprint them or DNA swab them. I, I'm wondering right. how, how they figure out whose parent they belong to. 
Well, we just opened up a center here in, in our county for un, unoccupied uh, miners, uncompanied miners, excuse me. And I toured that center here a few weeks ago. Now, what you see on the border uh, from the detention centers there, they go to centers like within my county. Well, and then what they told me is um, the Office of Ref- uh, Refugee Settlement right. actually places them with family or friends. The scary part about that is how do you know? That is the million-dollar question, and and a lot of times you don't. A lot, I think there's a lot implied there in that aspect. The DNA is, is a mystery. You hear they do, you hear they don't. I'll be honest with you, if I had to guess, I'd say you don't. Based on my information, they weren't. Uh, there was pressure by the National Sheriff Association to document, to DNA, all the things we need to do to start identifying who people are. And that's, unfortunately, the, the larger the numbers grow, the less resources and protective uh, measures can be put in place. Hmm. Sheriff Mark Daniels, thank you very much for sharing your time. I know you've been doing a briefing at the border. I'll let you get back to it. Uh, I hope you will make uh, us uh, again and um, uh, come back and see us again. And uh, when we do, uh, we'll talk more about this and uh, hope to God for all of our sakes uh, that we are... um, Pass this uh, problem uh, in the near term future. It, it, it's got to get better. And thanks so much. You you do. I, mean, I spend a lot of time in Cochise County with our business, and uh, I can tell you this, and you know it already, Mark. Uh, your community in Cochise County has a great deal of respect for the job that you do Absolutely. as sheriff of Cochise County. You do a hell Thank of a job. Thank, Thank you, you sir. Great. Thanks. Th- thank you both, and thanks for having me on. I truly You're appreciate welcome. You bet. my message. All right. Take care. All right. We're going to take our, our, we're not taking our second. You won't let me take our second hour break. We've got nine minutes. No, we don't. We can do the nine minutes at the end of the, uh, at the end of the next interview. No? Yes? Yeah, we'll take it now. What the heck? All right. It's good to be the king. Let's go to our next break. When we return, Heritage founder and president, Dr. Ed Fulner, will join us. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. Eb and I will be right back. I promise. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to TucsonIronRetail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. It's termite season. Bugs fear the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. Go blue at Essential Pest Control. We'll eliminate those bugs, bees, and termites. And stop paying too much to that national provider. Buy local for great service and affordable rates. Call Essential Pest Control because termites fear the blue. Run for your life. Call for the blue trucks from Essential Pest Control. 886-3029. That's 886-3029. Or check online at EssentialPest.com. I'm Eb Wilkinson with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever 
have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. That's imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. This portion of today's show brought to you by my friends Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. And Essential Pest Control, these are two great locally owned family businesses you can depend upon. I do, so should you. Our special guest for the next several minutes is Heritage Foundation founding member and president, Dr. Ed Fulner. Dr. Fulner began his career as an analyst for the Center for Strategic and International Studies. He later became a congressional aide to Congressman Melvin Laird. He subsequently became the executive assistant to Illinois Republican Congressman Phil Crane. I'm sure all of our listeners remember uh, both of those gentlemen. Prior to his presidency at Heritage, Fulner was executive director of the Republican Study Committee. Ed was a founding trustee of the Heritage Foundation. As president, he changed the foundation's direction. He wanted it to be more aggressive, more market-driven, and less ivory tower I definitely agree with that, and uh, that's why we have so many of the heritage scholars with us so often here. I agree with the New York Times very infrequently, but I do agree with their attribution that heritage is the Parthenon of conservative metropolis. Wow, that's a great introduction for a wonderful organization. Honored to have you here with us on Inside Track. Bruce, it's great to be back with you. I say back with you because I remember well when we were together in Taiwan, a few years ago, and I guess we're going to be talking a little bit about Taiwan, Hong Kong, and China today, so I look forward to our conversation. Sure, thank you. So in your recent Wall Street Journal piece, you wrote, Hong Kong sat atop the Heritage Foundation's annual index of economic freedom for 25 years. When the 27th edition of the index uh, is released on Tuesday, that was a little earlier this month, Hong Kong won't be found. Why is this so significant, not only from a financial standpoint, but from a political standpoint as well, sir? Hong Kong, as you know, has always been the crossroads for trade, for finance, for relationships, really, between China and the rest of the world. I first visited Hong Kong more than 50 years ago. I I was just taken by the, the glittering freedom in this city, the opportunity for people who had fled from the mainland with nothing, who became very, very wealthy because of their entrepreneurial spirit and because under the British at that time, uh, there was a predictable rule of law. 25, 23 years ago, 1997, we had, of course, the handover of Hong Kong uh, from the UK to China and the development of what they called one country, two systems. At that time, I remember being in Hong Kong at the handover and doing an interview and the the reporter asked me, well, what are you worried about? And I said, my most basic fear, frankly, is that someday Hong Kong will be so Im- immersed and enmeshed into the whole Chinese system that it will become just another middle-sized Chinese city. And I'm afraid that's what the Chinese authorities in Beijing have been doing over the last two years, as they've done so much to both deprive Hong Kong citizens of political freedom and equally importantly, to undermine so significantly the rule of law that everybody internationally and every international businessman, financier, etc., had to rely on. 
you just can't rely on it anymore. It's really a very, very sad story, I think. In terms of those freedoms, there was a report in the BBC just yesterday that the Chinese authorities who basically are in control in Hong Kong have put forth a new law called the Patriot Act, which essentially forbids anybody to run or serve in the local regional government there unless they are thought to be patriots and loyal to the Chinese dictatorship. Yeah. Well, it's that was easily foreseen because several months ago, all of the democratically elected members of the LegCo, Legislative Council of Hong Kong, resigned and uh, refused to participate any further because of how their own ability to caucus, to speak independently, was being constricted. But what the Patriot Act indicates very clearly is that Beijing is calling the shots. And if they're saying that you have to, in effect, become a member of the Chinese Communist Party to run for office in Hong Kong, I don't really see how that makes it one country, two systems. It's just one country, period. That's why the Heritage Foundation, I think, rightly decided that Hong Kong would no longer be listed independently from China. So, Dr. Fulner, why do you think the Chinese government essentially is turning their back on the financial juggernaut, on the business juggernaut that Hong Kong is? Aren't they killing the golden goose there? Well, uh, maybe, but here's what's happened in the meantime. I think, I think there are basically two reasons. Number one, with the incredible increase that we all experience around the world of technology and communications, they know that people in Beijing, in Shanghai, throughout the, the 1.3 billion people in mainland China, if they see what's going on in Hong Kong and they see that basically it's very different, I think they're frankly a little bit worried that this might spread elsewhere. And on the other side, at the same time, the Chinese have been very effective. And we see this in almost daily reports of building up their own financial infrastructure of getting the Goldman Sachs's and the Morgan Stanley's and the rest of them to open big, big facilities in Shanghai and Beijing. So maybe they don't need Hong Kong, or at least that's what they think. They don't need Hong Kong anymore as the independent place because they can deal directly with Wall Street. And I think that's uh, someday that'll be proven to be very short-sighted for, for the, the authorities in, in Beijing. But in the meantime, they're going to take advantage and, and, and move forward as fast as they can to bring everybody under their own control. Hmm. So uh, a bright young man that you and I both know, Matt Pottinger, wrote in the Wall Street Journal, um, American businesses need to decide what side they're on with respect to the control that China has on American business. Um, a pretty compelling uh, article. Did you manage to see that over the weekend? Oh, I did indeed. And Matt uh, really is, as you know, he's fluent in speaking Mandarin. Uh, he's lived in Hong Kong. He knows China inside and out, specialized in China at the National Security Council, where he had held very serious senior positions. And he gets it exactly right. Uh, our, but the, the problem, again, is uh, with the globalization of the economy over the last several decades, uh, not only are people better able to communicate with each other, but so many of these major international companies well, frankly, they don't even tend to describe themselves as necessarily being American anymore. Uh, we're international. Yeah, of course, we're traded on the New York Stock Exchange, but we're also traded in uh, London and we're traded in Hong Kong. So, you know, our uh, 
our, our real loyalty is to our stockholders and our stakeholders. So um, I, I hope Matt is is right that it might wake up some American corporate leaders to what's going on between uh, the United States and China in terms of economic rivalry. But uh, I'm not I'm not real optimistic that it's going to change anytime soon anyway. Yeah, and American companies look at China sort of as a vast untapped market to increase values. Professional teams, athletes, media companies, you know, like Disney, Facebook, Google, Twitter, they make billions from the China market, but they don't say a word about Chinese treatment of minorities, suppression of rights, aggressive military adventurism. I mean, doesn't America, uh, American business, even though they are many times these huge uh, companies, international business, don't they see the danger in in being co-opted by the uh, by the Chinese government? Well, apparently they don't. They're too uh, committed to the bottom line. And uh, frankly, what I would love to see would be some more uh, kind of deconstructing of current supply chains where everybody over here is so dependent on China and why the National National Professional Football and uh, Basketball Associations are so dependent on China. I just don't understand it. Is uh, is the profit that important to somebody who owns a a Dallas or a uh, Arizona basketball team? I don't I don't understand why why they need it, why they why they undercut what America really stands for in terms of freedom, of individual responsibility, of the right to make your own choices. It's just another big uh, uh, honeypot, I guess, for them to dig into. Yeah, in a Wall Street Journal column um, earlier this week, um, they say Beijing gains influence and helps Tehran evade U.S. sanctions. So uh, they have formed an alliance with uh, Tehran um, uh, and and and. And this could help Tehran regime uh, avoid U.S. sanctions. Um, lots of lots of political intrigue, economic intrigue with these guys as well, in addition to their military adventurism. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Helping Iran uh, avoid sanctions, uh, being the the only real uh, source for anything foreign going into North Korea. For their joint military efforts now with Russia, actually having joint military uh, activities and demonstrations in the uh, South China Sea right now between Russia and China. Um, China is not a good actor. It's not, uh, they're not the friend that some of us, including myself, frankly, 20 years ago, thought might they might be. That, uh, hey, if they join the World Trade Organization, they'll come our way and everything will be rosy. Well, Frankly, I was wrong. So other people back then. So the new administration seems to be adopting a, a rather bellicose attitude with China and Russia, for that matter. Um, do you fear the possibility of war, war, war if we don't do as Churchill advised us to jaw, jaw, jaw? Oh, jaw, jaw. Yeah, I remember the quote well, and I. Of course, everyone who's involved in watching the policy uh, developments between the United States and any other country uh, has to worry about the possibility of real conflict. And we do. I do. Uh, at the same time, uh, one of the things we know is that the real way to have peace is peace through strength. And that means that you're ever alert, that you watch what the other guys are doing, and that you call a spade a spade. That means that when we decide that, uh, hey, 
China is just not this uh, big competitor, as frankly the form the current president said not long ago. It's much more than a competitor. It's an adversary, as the National Security Council said a couple of years ago. And we've got we've got to face the reality of that. And I think, but I do think you're right, Bruce. That right now this administration is at least aware of much of what China is up to. And I just hope that they will have learned from the from past years, going back not only to Trump, where where Trump and Secretary Pompeo did just such a fantastic job of pointing out where China has been has just gone astray. But going back to before that, on a bipartisan basis, whether you're talking about George W. Bush or whether you're talking about Barack Obama, and oh, we'll get along fine with China. Well, the old norm of getting along fine with China, I think, is gone. No matter who's in the White House, and we saw that with Trump, but I think now we're seeing it with Biden.、Hmm. Uh, Admiral James Stavridis speculated on the Hugh Hewitt show、uh, just a couple days ago uh, that. Um, perhaps the takeover of Taiwan might be a little more imminent than、uh, we've been led to believe.、Um, he, he even speculated, and of course he wrote a book called Twenty Thirty Four about about a、uh, you know potential future war with、uh, China. But he, he wrote, excuse me, he, he commented to Hugh Hewitt that it might be that China, because there's you know. Easy access back and forth between the mainland. There's such you know close business and cultural relationships between the two countries that it would be very easy for the Chinese security forces to, in effect,、uh, be in place to at 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 a moment's notice take over the radio stations, take over the TV stations, you know,、uh, force their way、uh, in in a political as 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 well as you know、uh, a popular uprising in in、uh, Taiwan. Um, that sounds pretty far fetched right now, but there certainly are war drums or, or takeover drums that that the world really can't ignore, can it? No, we, they really can't. And of course, under the Taiwan Relations Act from 41 years ago, the United States is committed、uh, to providing for the independence and for the、uh, the defense needs. Of Taiwan, it's always been、uh, what they call strategic ambiguity as to whether we'd actually come to the defense of Taiwan if it were being attacked or being undermined, as you so aptly described, by the PRC, by mainland China.、Uh, but your, your point's very well taken.、Uh, before before COVID,、uh, when I would visit Taipei,、uh, it always I was always amazed because there'd be you know three flights from San Francisco, one from Los Angeles.、Uh, Maybe one or two from New York,、uh, but we get a, we land at the airport, and my gosh, there were like at that time ninety five to a hundred flights a day, direct flights、uh, between Taiwan and direct cities in the mainland. Well, when COVID hit,、uh, Taiwan very wisely cut all those flights almost immediately, which is why they've done such a fantastic job dealing with the the whole pandemic.、Uh, But the fact is that with that number of people moving back and forth on a daily basis, it would be very easy、uh, to subvert the institutions on Taiwan, which, after all, is、uh, just a, a short plane ride away from many cities in the mainland. And、uh, that's one of the reasons why in Fujian Province in China on the mainland,、um, they are always building up their defense capabilities and ready to launch more ships against Taiwan. And, Violating the Taiwan airspace, etc. 
it's it's kind of a it's a risky situation right now and i'm glad that so far at least the biden administration has been very forthright in uh, uh, condemning inappropriate actions and in terms of supporting with the the presence of the u.s navy in the taiwan strait to remind the prc that the united states is still committed to a free and democratic and open part of china uh free china as we call it so Admiral Stavridis also said to Hugh Hewitt on the show that the best way to avoid uh, that sort of a uh, end game in, in Taiwan is to properly support uh, the Taiwanese government with more advanced weapons to defend that island nation. You know very well, Dr. Folder, that orders for submarines and for jets that were taken under contract in 2005 were just barely finally delivered to Taiwan in the last year, maybe maybe even less than that. I mean, we need to certainly step up our defensive support with military arms purchases uh, by that country, don't you think? Absolutely. And, of course, one of the things that I always point out to my American friends is, hey, this ain't foreign aid. We're selling it to them. Right. But at the same time, we want a free China. We want to show the people on the mainland that there is an alternative to the oppressive communist government that they have to live under there. And that, hey, democracy can work in China just as it can work here in the United States or in other countries in Europe, in Latin America, etc. And there could be a much brighter future for all you Chinese people if you just come around kind of, I guess, to our way of thinking and at least at the local level start to say to the Chinese Communist Party, hey, there ought to be an alternative here. I mean, to say, as they do now in the Patriot Act in Hong Kong, that in effect, you have to be a member of the Chinese Communist Party to run for the legislature. Well, that's exactly the wrong direction to be moving. No, one country, one party, absolute rule. Dr. Fulner, before we end, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about what you've done at Heritage to, to not just make it that ivory tower sort of an organization. I found with all of the great scholars we've talked with on Inside Track, these are people that are really plugged in to what's happening. How did you make that happen? What was the culture change that had to exist to make that happen? Boy, uh, that's uh, what, what a great question on my very favorite subject, Bruce. When we started the Heritage Foundation, we knew that we had to be able to be relevant to policymakers, that it's one thing to produce 300, 400-page books, but unfortunately, a senator or a congressman just doesn't have time to read 300 pages on a specific subject. They have to be able to get to the, the center of every single policy issue that's coming up. They have to be able to do that in real time. And as one liberal columnist at the Washington Post said to me many years ago, he said, boy, I just love these short heritage papers because they give me all the facts and I know I can count on the facts. Then the last two pages where there's a conclusion, he said, well, I just ripped that page off. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if we could at least agree on the facts, we're so much further ahead. And then let's have a debate in terms of which policy direction we want to move. And that's kind of what we decided we were going to try to do with heritage. No, we're not an ivory tower. Yes, we believe very strongly that ideas have consequences. They really matter. But those ideas have to be expressed in a practical way that affect congressmen and affect the American people directly on a daily basis. And that's what we try to do with all of our studies at Heritage. And we still do that 
here 40 some years later, actually 48 years since we started it, we're getting very excited about celebrating our 50th anniversary in 2023. Well, we look forward to having Heritage here in the Tucson area, April 21st, up at the Ritz-Carlton. We'll try to get to speak with some of the scholars in attendance during that short couple-day visit here. And Dr. Folder, thank you so much for appearing on Inside Track, an honor for our show, an honor for me. And you hardly know me, sir, but I am one of your great supporters and followers and, and admirers. Thanks very much for appearing on the show. Thank you so much, Bruce. And when I'm out in Arizona in three weeks uh, with my colleagues, I look forward to shaking hands with you again and saying hello in person. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. All right. Let's go ahead and take our commercial break. When we return, we'll have our next guest. You're listening to Inside Track. Stay tuned. We're the guests. Uh, I pre-recorded that uh, interview, as you can see, uh, recently, and uh, we didn't know exactly where we would place it in the show, and we have uh, some time left over. Uh, we have had two very compelling interviews today, uh, Sheriff Mark Daniels from Cochise County and Ed Fulner, uh, president at Heritage. Uh, great uh, uh, intellects, great law uh, law enforcement officer uh, with Mark Daniels and great intellect with Dr. Ed Fulner. Uh, we look forward to your call. If you have any, we've got a few minutes here left on the show and would love to have any comments that you have. Eb, it is really, um, we talked about this uh, early uh, in a break, um, what what the United States is doing today with uh, these illegal immigrants coming into the country is almost like what happened with Cuomo sending sick people into the nursing homes. Absolutely, it? and it's worse than that. Number one, Cuomo could only send so many people. That was it. Right. He could only send so many people back in the nursing homes. But he did it deliberately, gnostically. He he knew that he was spreading the illness. Biden has opened up the 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 border. That ten year old boy floodgate. That ten year old boy really tells the story. Absolutely. Th- this your president this is child invited abuse. me. It is child abuse. And and really, it's dereliction of duty. They took yep. they took an oath. Anybody who, who, who swears an oath of allegiance, whether they're a city or state or federal official, to, to uphold, support this, uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Against all enemies, foreign, foreign and, domestic, and domestic, and they are absolutely going against it. They're, they're violating their oath, their oath of office from opening up the border. They're violating their oath of office from not locking these people up and shipping them back out. I mean, when, when, uh, Sheriff Daniels was talking about the number of uh, documented uh, bad guys that are coming into the country. I mean, oh my God! You know, they're lo- coming to a neighborhood near you. <laughs> they're setting up shop, and and then Biden wants to take away our right to defend ourselves. Piss off! That's not happening. He said. He said the Second Amendment. You know, none of these. Uh, none of these rights or n- none of these amendments are guaranteed. Well. To one end, he is correct, but to the other end, great. What are we getting rid of? The 14th, the 17th, the 19th? Take away women's rights to vote again? See how that goes. Well, it's it's selectively taking taking away those rights, which could affect our freedoms. That's, Absolutely. That's what they're more interested in. This is a colossal movement toward one-party control and absolute government control over the citizens of this country, and it is a Chinese model uh, that they're operating on today, 
Just and, like what happened over in Hong Kong with the professor. Yeah. You know, uh, with, with uh, what was his name? Jeremy, uh, who's the billionaire that got locked up? Jimmy Lai. Jimmy Lai. You know, if what China is saying, if we can do that to him, just think what we can do to you. Right. And hey, what Biden is saying yeah. is if we can do that to these people, just think what we can do to you. So we just talked about uh, public officials uh, violating their oath of office. Charles Heller talks about this quite a bit from time <laughs> to time. Charles joins us here calling in. Charles, what's on your mind, buddy? Well, I just want to point out that the statement that uh, former Vice President Biden made from the Rose Garden was that that nothing in the, uh, that uh, nothing in here affects the Second Amendment. That those arguments are just unreasonable. And limiting the capacity of a magazine or the type of action of a firearm is exactly infringing. So either he doesn't know, or uh, which is possible. I'm not clear that he knows he's president. But the idea that if he does know that he's lying, he's never been known. There's never been any evidence that he's friendly with the truth. But that is open and notorious demonstration that when he says it's not an infringement, he says, even in the beginning, you couldn't own any weapon you wanted. Uh, you know, there's a historical display on Patriot's Day of many in many cities where they have cannon. And they still have some of the Civil War cannon. One of the cannon, or Revolutionary War cannons, one of the cannons that's used in uh, South Carolina is one that actually Paul Revere made. The number three cannon in their in their militia, and one of the things that happened is after the Revolutionary War, George Washington had paid for a lot of his cannons, and he took them home as a private citizen. The idea that there was any limitation whatsoever on what weapons you could own is specious. The first gun law in the United States in this country before it was the United States was in Massachusetts. It was the 1853 Massachusetts Militia Act which required the possession of firearms and ammunition by the head of household in every, in every landowning household. You know, Charles, uh, the president made many misstatements uh, in that Rose Garden ceremony. One of them, he referred to the Charleston loophole, okay? Right. And this is about the, you know, the three days. Uh, mm -hmm. But he doesn't he doesn't give the full context of what the Charleston quote unquote loophole. It's not a loophole. Uh, no. What what has happened? And you and Ab know this very well. Uh, the ATF, uh, under orders or under lack of any kind of direction, was slow playing uh, these approvals on on firearms purchases, right. and and it was it was deemed necessary and many many democrats it was a it wasn't even a close vote um uh to get a three-day a three-day uh 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 you know uh, approval on limit. this and limit, yeah, limit, limit to the three days and and it's a, it's amazing that that these guys are lying and and misrepresenting what happened maybe in 1993 when that passed you could make an argument of it taking a while. But no. today, have you ever gone to, say, for instance, a Quick Mart or a Circle K and bought something and swiped your... You don't even have to swipe your right. debit card anymore. You tapped your card, right. and in about maybe 10 seconds, maybe a little less, you get an approval. There is no reason in this day and age why it should take any longer than that to do a background check if one is required. It just... It doesn't. It either flies or it doesn't. I realize there are some people that are victim of identity theft, and there are some people that have open charges on their 
record that they're not even aware of from 30 years ago, and they've been updating the records, and suddenly it's updated and they get denied. But that's not delayed. That's denied. Correct. And the government's never done anything about those denials whatsoever. Oh, well, most of them are eventually cleared. The the uh, the, the, U, the uh, FBI will issue you what's called a U-PIN, which is Universal Personal Identification Number, and in that U-PIN are the notes of why it's okay to proceed with the transaction. Most of the of the of the denials and of the uh, uh, delays are eventually cleared. The vast majority of them, are, because the reason is you can tell is that there are almost zero prosecutions for anybody who's a convicted felon attempting to buy a gun. All right, and Charles. Charles, we got to we got to end it right there. We're up against uh, the top of the hour. Thanks very much for your call, Mark. I'm sorry we didn't get a chance uh, to take you. Uh, call us next week. Sorry we didn't get to you. We have another great show for you next week when we sit down with uh, best-selling author and noted Coolidge biographer Amity Schlaes. I've been trying to get her for uh, Inside Track now for over a year we have booked several shows in may look for cbs a former cbs foreign correspondent marvin kalb to talk about his book assignment russia greg Ayers from gap ministries and best-selling author of lincoln's mentors michael gerhardt until next saturday this is bruce ash and eb wilkinson wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon Jamie Kipper and her father, Gary Kipper, from Tucson Iron and Metal. What are they going to see when they come through the gates? So when they come on in, they'll see our building up front. People have free reign to then go out and look in the yard. So it's not a typical scrapyard with a ton of big machinery. We have a couple of forklifts around, but that's about it just to help move material. So when you come in, it's all organized by material, whether it's square tubing, angle iron, roofing. And then there is a pile in the back, which is still organized and easy to get through. But that's stuff that comes over from the scrap. So we're unique in that we get stuff in from the scrap, which a lot of artists and people will like or reuse, whether it's a sink that someone needs for their house. We sell literally anything made of metal. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard, 701 East 36th Street. Open Monday through Saturday. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911.